seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 119 of Color of Magic, your Magic and Gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect players at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Jaquan Watson, and for 119 episodes, still have my man, Brian Allen, riding with me. How's it going, dude? I am, uh, I, I'm sick with something. We're hoping it's not the big thing, but we've already had one test in the house and it came back negative. So we're assuming it's hopefully some kind of flu. Man, I'm I'm going to hope for you because that yeah. stuff's getting everybody, it feels like. Right. Yeah, it's almost to the point I feel like I'm one of the people that hasn't had it or whatever, but, you know. And, um, as I'm sure y'all know from listening listed to the talk about, like, we don't, we we distance, we always wear our masks, we, we go literally to work or school, and, and 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 we work from home. So, I mean, we don't go anywhere. <laughs> Man, yeah. somehow. I, I just got my, my booster, not my most favorite type of booster, but just got my booster yesterday. So, uh, fortunately, I'm not really feeling anything from it. My arm was slightly sore this morning, so I kind of got around that pretty luckily, though, my other two really didn't mess with me that much, so I didn't expect this would be any different. So I'm hoping that helps keep all Omicron in check for a little bit. Let's we'll hope so. Before we get into everything, I want to go ahead and pay some bills and say that y'all need to give some love to our people over at Cardsphere.com. Great place to buy and sell cards at the price you want and support a company that does a lot to support magic content creators. They support quite a few people out there. And they're all really good people. They really want to build the community. And not only that, they're supporting a lot of small creators, which is a big deal. Because it's easy to throw your money at people that already had a big audience. But they really are helping a lot of people that are still growing. So go pay them some love over at Cardsphere.com. And if you want to support the show directly, you can go over to Patreon.com slash Color Magic. And you can get a shout out just like Demetrius. Just goes by one name, like Prince just Demetrius. But uh, yeah, Demetrius has actually been a follower since July 2021. So come coming up on, getting close to, we'll be about a half year there. So thank you for that. You know, like, doesn't matter if it's a short amount of time or a long amount of time. Love it just the same. And then if you want to get some stuff for yourself, get some tokens, get some play mats, and rep the show whenever you decide you want to go back to your local game stores and do some playing, Go over to colormtg.com slash shop and check things out. So yeah, this week I think we're going to be all over the place. There's so many things we can dive into this week, man. It was, it was a heck of a week to talk about things. And this one, it came up this week, but I don't even think this is a this week type rant. But... If you feel one, okay, first off, let me say, if you want to unfollow somebody, go ahead. People follow and unfollow people every day, all the time, friend and unfriend people, whatever. But you ain't got to go announce it. Like, here's the thing. Like, we talked about this off the air, right? There's some small scenarios where, like, if I interact with you a lot and then something happens where I feel pushed out of your community or something or whatever... I might send you a private message and be like, hey, just so you know, if you don't see me posting, blah, blah, whatever, right? But when I don't even know you, and you've maybe posted once or responded to one of my things I put up, maybe retweeted a thing once every couple months, and you're like, you know what? I'm unfollowing you. Like, cool. I didn't need an exit interview. Just <laughs> go. Like, for real. Just just go. Like, I wouldn't have noticed you were gone. not trying to be rude, but like... It's not like we interacted. I for real would exactly. not even know like, you left. And the fact that you're telling me you left doesn't do anything because I'm still like, whatever. Now, most recently, the two people that decided they wanted to unfollow me and let me know about it were because, well, I was here for your gaming content, not for your politics. Which, first off, one seemed to have been offended because I said something about how it's something related to black people and the board game industry, which, by the way, we're going to talk about at the end of the show. But 
the other seemed to have been upset that I mentioned, not even made a big point about it, just mentioned that I got my booster shot, and that's why I was streaming earlier, just in case I had some adverse effects, to make sure I still got my stream in that day. And I'm like, if you find, one, me talking about things I've seen in the 20-plus years I've been in the game industry, from the perspective of a black person, as political, well, I don't know what you want me to say about that. Like, and when we get into the discussion, there's facts, charts, tons of things that back that up. So it's not like I was just, like, saying things. The other is, if you are so bothered by all this stuff going on with the pandemic and the vaccines and all this stuff that me being on a stream even mentioning that I got my booster shot to justify and explain to my audience that is normally expecting me to be on three hours later, like, hey, why are you on early? Did something happen? Whatever. I don't think that's an unrealistic expectation for me to be able to tell them, like, hey, I wanted to make sure I still got my stream in, so I kept my hours good and everything else. So I'm just getting on early, and here's why. And then we went on. I might have mentioned it two or three times, because you know how people come in late to the stream, and you know, they'll ask or whatever. But I not once made a story out of it. I didn't tell people to go get vaccinated. Like, And plus, let's be real. If you followed... Any of my TikToks, my Twitter, my Facebook, our podcast, whatever, messaging's been the damn same since the beginning. Right. So I don't know why you thought anything was going to be any different. Like, well, if I follow him, he'll change his ways. Like, I, that don't even work for people's marriages, dog. <laughs> like, yeah, it sure as hell ain't going to work with a stranger. Like, let's, let's just be real about it. Just being real, right? So I don't I don't understand that at all. Makes no sense. Like now again, I get it. If if you were close and you communicated a lot and we were having a lot of back and forth and I we shared some creative ideas, maybe did a project together. Okay, cool. I would want to know maybe that why you're unfollowing me or whatever. But again, if you were like and I've unfollowed people that I guarantee you they have no idea I have unfollowed them. Because we haven't interacted hardly at all. I'm not going to go bother them and send them a message or whatever. That doesn't make any kind of sense. And and I'm definitely, like, we people just got to get over anything that's just not what you want being political. Like, if a woman talks about a thing that's affecting women or somebody wants to talk about the news of something going on in France or whatever, like, that's not political. That's just a thing that's happening. We're not talking about an election we're not talking about what's going to go on with the school board or whatever. Like, that's political. But just the way somebody's living and things that are actually happening, that's, that's not political. Me telling somebody that, I like, I again, in your own words, you should be able to choose what happens to your body for those that don't want to get vaccinated. Well, then you can't be mad when I'm telling people that I went and got vaccinated. Like, that was my decision. So, like, come on. Oh, but they can. <laughs> they, they, well, that's they, true. They can. Ridiculous. <laughs> and apparently they want to send me an angry DM about it because I'm being too political talking about vaccines on my streams. Like, so, whatever, man. But anyway, I'm done. I'll let you take over. Well, uh, Steve Harvey is the latest uh, comedian to say, you know, that we've just gotten too politically correct and he's not going to do stand-up comedy anymore. Kind of saying he thinks the next time he does stand will be like when he feels like all his shows are over with because it's just there's too much backlash and you're not allowed to make fun of people anymore. Crazy thing is every comedian I've heard say this has been somebody like Steve Harvey or Jerry Seinfeld that financially never has to do stand-up or literally anything else they don't want to do for the rest of their life. Those of us, you know, that still got bills to pay, don't have sitcoms and Steve Harvey. I don't know how many shows Steve Harvey has. Maybe we can try to guess, because like every time every time I turn on the TV, it seems like he got another one. So I understand why he might feel that way, because yeah, okay, you got 12 TV shows to take care of, but yeah. Those of us like out here struggling the comedy streets, we're still doing it because we had we we don't have enough money to stop doing it. And to me, it's just you can still do whatever joke you want to do out of a, out of an audience of let's say two hundred people. It's rare when even 
one or even people comedians that I've have said people came out to replace. It's one or two people. The overwhelming majority of, of people are in no way politically correct. If you made them laugh, that, that's all most people want when they've gone to a local comedy club or they're watching a TV show or whatever. Especially if you don't hit whatever their specific demographic is. But now, yes, if, if you've gone out there to, like, for example, the latest Dave Chappelle special, where a lot of things he says, there aren't even jokes tied to him. Just, hey, you know what? I'm Team Turf. And you sit there waiting for the joke or the punchline or what this is leading to. And there isn't one. Okay, you just said you're a turf in the middle of your stand-up. You yeah, that's more just like a statement than a joke. Yeah. You took an extremely controversial political stance. And, yeah, you you know what's coming. Or at this point, you should. Yeah, like, my thing, and I'm kind of with you, right? Like, Steve Harvey, like, like, and don't get me wrong, like, Steve Harvey probably shouldn't do stand-up comedy anymore, right? If there's any fear that anything you say or do is going to cut a hole in your bag, then there's no point in even doing it, right? If you feel that way, because, I mean, Harvey's got to be making a couple hundred million dollars a year with his, like, four or five TV shows. Easily. Like, and so, still getting the residuals from all the other ridiculously. Yeah, and the family feud stuff online, yeah. all that stuff, right? Like, so, yeah. Post I, all the beauty pageants and everything. Yeah. So, like, why does he even care? And and the thing is, we talked about this too, right? There are, you can do, like, don't be wrong, I, I will laugh at a black joke. Like, yeah, me you too. Know, I, and I've had people say, like, well, no, you shouldn't joke about any races. And I get it. Those people you're never going to make happy. But you know as well as I do, man, like there are some things just that you grow up with, like being poor and whatever. There's some things that you are just funny. Yeah. They just are. And we talk about you could be white and do black, like Bill Burr and Gary mm-hmm. Owen. They do some of the funniest material about black people that I've seen out there. So, like. CNN just, did this show called The History of Comedy, and this is kind of one of the topics they talked about. And they asked George Lopez, you know, when is a joke racist? And he said, when it's not funny. <laughs> he's totally right though right like if i go out and i'm making jokes about like mexicans or whatever because i grew up with a lot of hispanic friends and everything else like there's things i would talk about that would probably be funny to a lot of mexican people but if i say something and it's not funny well now i just offended a bunch of people right so you got to know your material know your audience Like, and again, if it's your experience, like, yeah, it'd be weird for me to go out there and start talking about how hard it is to grow up as a Jewish woman, because that's not my life experience. Yeah, that would just be weird. But, but, you know, could, but even then, you going out there and doing a bunch of country jokes would be yeah. pretty damn funny. And talking <laughs> about how, you know, people who, before they, you know, see my face, <laughs> just for my social media and things I've been to, often think I'm white, because, yeah, I absolutely love country music, and and apparently board games is a totally <laughs> white hobby. So, But, you know, I do I do think something you said is, is absolutely correct. I think the majority of people that go to a comedy show are not overly politically correct. I think a lot of them are open to just hearing a bunch of stuff. Because, like, most of the time when you're going to see a comedy show, right, you're going to listen to the observations and perspective of a comedian, how they view the world. And some of those are going to be from, like, hard points in somebody's life or some weird lived experiences or whatever. And some of them are going to be a little uncomfortable at times, but that's part of the comedy to it. And that's okay. But, like, you can't just do the lazy joke that doesn't really have a real punchline and just be the angry. Like, that's why I've never been into, like, the real angry comedian thing. Like, that's never really done anything for me. It's just like, all right, you're getting up here and just ranting. That's, that's all right, cool, I guess. But there's there's so many people that do good comedy out there, like I don't know that that and you you do need to obviously know your audience. Like I'm, I'm in Texas, if I book someplace and I well, let's say I this would never happen, but let's say I booked for the national you know conservative convention or whatever. Okay, I'm not gonna go out there and do a bunch of anti-Trump jokes. I know who signed my paycheck. Yeah. That wouldn't really That's the way when it's time to do the jokes that are more about my personal experience. You just you do have to know your audience, obviously. Yeah, you gotta. That that to me is the biggest thing. If you're worried about offending somebody or whatever, it's like truly know your audience. Like there a good example is like you could go do like one of the casino clubs or whatever, right? Do a set talking about kids and 
you know, how parents hate their kids and it wrecks their sex life or whatever, and all this stuff, right? You'd probably kill. Right. But then you go into a college campus and you're doing stuff that's like, they're just going to see that as insulting kids. Yeah. You know, it's it's just not going to be relatable. And you're, one crowd's going to hate it and one crowd's going to love it. And it's not about it being politically correct or whatever. It's just like these audiences you're speaking to have different lived experiences. And it's not going to hit the same for both groups. So, yeah, it's weird. I'm with you. It's weird that, that Steve Harvey even want to announce that. Like, dude, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, you're making billions of dollars. So maybe not billions, but hundreds of millions. You know, like. Probably over time, it's going to add up to at least a billion. If, if we if he's cleared, what we probably think he's clearing. Well, that's that might be true. I mean, like, cause I'm with you. I I see clips of shows I didn't even know he was doing at times. Right. So, I I mean, I'm assuming he's on like currently at least three shows on TV. And he's going to get a court show, so I'm sure the. Oh yeah, for- I saw an ad for that the other yeah. day. And like, I don't even understand if he went and like for real got like temporary, like I'm assuming this is not real. Like, no, basically how they do that is all you have to do. You don't have to be a real judge. Just before somebody goes on the show, you sign something that says you will legally abide by whatever Steve Harvey says or Mills okay. Lane or okay. a person it. here that's not a judge. I get it. Because like when I was younger, we did the thing called teen court. Yeah. And. Basically, it was like if you just wanted to learn the court process and go through the things. And basically, if kids that were, you know, junior high to high school level had gotten in trouble, they could go to teen court instead of going to like regular court. And then whatever punishment was issued by their peers, they had to legally follow that. Exactly. It's basically so, the same thing. Like you so agreed that whatever Steve Harvey says, you're, you're going to go with. Yeah, which... Man, okay, I'll have to address that another time. I have a hilarious <laughs> yes. story from that. Like, yeah, well, maybe we'll talk about it next week because we have other things to cover. But uh, let's talk about what we learned because it's about that time of the week. And, man, there was actually quite a few things, and I wasn't sure what we were going to cover here in this. But, uh, Brian, what did you learn? Uh, Debbie Cabal Bell, who you may know, first of all, for being a stand-up for years, but you may also know him from his Emmy award-winning show on CNN, United Shades of America, and apparently he is going to do a 10-episode docu-series on Bill Cosby, so I'm really looking looking forward to that, because obviously it's uh, like... All of us, you know, grew up watching Bill Cosby. For those of us that that became comedians, he is one of the people that influenced us and made us want to be comedians. So to to see what has happened, you know, it just it's boggling, mind blowing. And, you know, because obviously we can't we can't take back the jokes we wrote. We can't, you know. We, we can't go back in time and unwatch the Cosby show and all of his comedy specials. He was one of the greatest comedians ever lived, but yeah, he apparently was also a, a rapist. It's just... I, I think I'm a little bit cynical, because I'm kind of like, I don't know if there's anything that would be unveiled that I'd be like, ooh, really? I'd be like, yeah, that probably is true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think just the way everything unfolded, everything we know now, and all the crazy stories we've heard about Hollywood from like the 70s and 80s, I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's probably true. I think a lot of it is going to be that that take of like, you know, what do you do when you're a hero? You find out that's the reason you started doing comedy. And it's not just black comedians. Patton Oswalt said he watched, I think it was Bill Cosby's himself, and that's when he made the decision that that was what he wanted to do with the rest of his life. So, <laughs> No, but, but, you know, it's not even just stand-up. You know, when you when you look back, even people that do – YouTube content and whatever. Like a lot of these people are inspired by other folks like that. Yeah. You know, where they take their style from or the deliveries from. And now you look back when you, especially as some of the stuff is being unveiled about a lot of celebrities, you know, people feel bad even talking about like, oh yeah, that was one of my heroes once upon a time. Or, oh, that's and even, you know, even before he became famous for stand up, I mean, he was on I Spy and I believe won an Emmy for I Spy. And I mean, we're talking about an era when there were almost no black people on TV. Mm-hmm. And certainly the ones that were, there were no black people like Bill Cosby's character that was well-educated, suave, a secret agent. I mean, just, that person wasn't on TV back in the 60s. Oh, for sure. I mean, I would, 
on some level even argue like growing up with the example of the Huxtable family on the Cosby show makes it easier and okay for dudes like us to go into other environments where it may not be the norm. Absolutely. You know, because you see it on TV. Okay. I see where like Theo's going to a college or whatever, or his daughter's like going into law school and blah, blah, like, okay, cool. Like I can go into some of these environments. It's okay if I'm different or whatever. Right. That show gave you that example. And, and, you know, and we've talked about it even in the game industry where many times you, you were the black guy in the room. Right. Right. You know, and you, but because you've seen those things before and it's kind of like almost become subliminal that you're like, ah, this is all right. Like sometimes that's going to be okay. I'm the only one in the room, like whatever. So I get it. I get it. And, why why and, it's a big deal. And not just the Cosby show, but a different world. So many people ended up going to college because they saw the examples on a different world. Dude, I bet and you that helped raise attendance at HBCUs. Right. They, they, they realize, <laughs> you know, that, hey, if, if uh, Whitley Gilbert or Dwayne Wade could do it, so could they. Yep. Also, yeah. to be fair, that show was also responsible for a lot of people wearing them bad Dwayne Wade glasses. <laughs> that, that, that's true, too. And also, you know, we're, we're, for the Cosby show, Bill specifically didn't want to take on issues because he didn't want the people going, I'm leaving. I hate your politics. I'm not watching the show anymore. Now, but different world, they did an AIDS episode. Yeah. They did, you know, a date rape episode. They tackled the serious issues that happened to, to people of college age. Yeah, this documentary, man, it's probably, I mean, I imagine it's going to get a lot of attention yeah. regardless. So I hope it hits for them because I, I, that feels like one of those, I won't say career defining because dude's already had a career, but yeah. Like, it's one of those ones I think could take him to the next level if he wants to keep doing that type of stuff. Definitely. And also, and I, and I swear we'll move on after this, but, I mean, you got to remember, why did the Bill Cosby thing stick? Because Hannibal Burris went out there and did a, did a set where he asked people to Google Bill Cosby's name. Man, I, if y'all don't watch Hannibal Burris, y'all need to go watch some of his stand-up. Like, that dude's funny. Because if Hannibal Burris doesn't do that set, Bill Cosby never goes to jail. Probably not. Probably not. Because I mean, it's crazy how that comes together. But that's the first time in history a lot of people had Googled Bill Cosby rape. Yep. It's crazy, but it's sometimes it's situations like that that happen. As far as what I learned, I think I was just more amused this week because people did not believe me on how archaic (laughs) old school gaming used to be. And this comes up because uh, Anomaly, if y'all follow her on Twitter, she posts a lot of uh, magic related, commander related, actually. If you don't, please do. Over on TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, she's a fun follow. Which, by the way, she lost her cards today. Did you know that? I saw that. Yeah, she left them on top of her car and took off. And Though I did see that there was a post. I've been trying to get a hold of her because there was a post on Reddit where somebody said they found cards that looked like they had fallen in the street or whatever. And I don't know if it's where she's from or not, but it's very coincidental to have been almost yeah. in the same amount of time. So I'm hoping it's it's what it is, but we'll probably find I, out. There I did that with some raw deal cards. So yeah, I totally can relate. Yeah, it sucks. But she had shared a thing, and on TikTok, you can stitch stuff or whatever. And she's like, okay, well, OG Magic players, like, what's a thing that you would tell newer players that would confuse them? So one of the things I was explaining is that way back when, in the, in, in the before times, we didn't have judges. We didn't have a way to answer rule stuff. Like, at best, if you were lucky, you could go to the rec.games boards, these old-school, boring, tor- totally poorly laid out bulletin boards online, and hope that somebody else had already dealt with that rules problem. Otherwise, you had to literally go to this little bitty rule book that was slightly smaller than the size of a magic card, and you would have to find the number to Wizards of the Coast in Renton, Washington, and you would call Long Distance... During business hours. <laughs> and sometimes we were doing that from our lunch break from a payphone at school to just get a rules question answered because that's all we could do. And of course, I had a couple people like, that's not true. Like, you're just trying to make this sound old. Like, no, like, that's the way we did it. Like, gamer standards, I'm kind of old. Like, that's, that's the way we did it. But I started thinking, like, that applies to so many things in gaming. Like, just... 
the way material was passed along, oh, the yeah. way you did stuff at conventions, like the first couple of websites that existed for gaming, just like so many things. If oh. you couldn't, if you couldn't be Legend of Zelda, what'd you do? You better get some security to Nintendo Power. Yeah, you that wait in the months till Nintendo Power came out and had that pull-out map. <laughs> uh, unless you know, unless you happen to know somebody that beat it, you wait in a month for the Actually, pull-out map. It, wasn't, it was Metroid. Like, because yeah, Metroid, Metroid had those ridiculous ass things that if you didn't yeah. know where you were going, you'd get lost in those things. Right. So, like, yeah, Metroid maps out of Nintendo Power for sure. That's another old school one. That that's for real. But yeah, there's just so many of those things that I don't think people really consider. Like, you have it really nice now if you're a gamer. Like, so many of the nerds have grown up and are all the tech people and people have money and the people that own websites. So, like, you have all these resources that people are putting into nerd things, and it's amazing. But I get it if you were, you know, got into gaming in the last decade. It's kind of hard to believe that stuff was not always like this because it all makes logical sense and whatever. But it's like, yeah, it just wasn't. But yeah, I had multiple people reach out or leave me comments and whatever, just like, you know, wondering if I was like I was being serious. And I was like, no, I'm being dead serious. We had to walk. We had to walk to school in the snow. It was uphill both ways. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of what it felt like. I was just like, no, this is real, y'all. Like, yeah, old school gaming was rough, man. It was. It was not great. Oh, man. But yeah, that aside, let's get into some news of the week. So I'm sure, unless you literally were sleeping under a rock, it would have been hard to miss the news on Monday that uh, Xbox, actually particularly Microsoft, bought Blizzard Activision for, I believe the number was $79 million or billion dollars. So... Yeah, I don't know where you find $79 billion, but uh, apparently they had the resources. Oh, uh, yeah, Microsoft. Uh, <laughs> that's couch cushion change for Microsoft. Apparently. So, yeah, they rolled up and decided, eh, let's go ahead and buy this. And, and it's interesting, right, because their stocks on Blizzard Activision fell 20%-ish over the last six, seven months. So I kind of get it. Like, if you were going to buy them, this is about as good of a deal you're going to get on it right now. It's apparently Sony stock also crashed by $20 with the news. By the way, buy the dip on the Sony stock. They ain't going anywhere. Yeah, they're going to be around forever. The other, the other thing, though, is that's interesting is this is also, and it may be one of the things that pushed the Blizzard stock up after this announcement, is that it means you no longer have to worry about the heads of Blizzard sticking around because I'm yeah. pretty sure Microsoft's oh, yeah. gonna come in and like you bruh, you out. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Kotick is done. Don't let yep. him convince you. And he's out there trying to convince people otherwise. Rumors are he didn't even want this deal, but he didn't really have any enough leverage to <laughs> to make it. What are you gonna do? To... Like your your stocks are tanking. You've already pushed games back that ain't gonna come out. Like you've got a bunch of bad PR and you're having to redo everything with your HR and whatever. Like, what? What is what leg do he have to stand on? Yeah, why would he want this? Because he knows he's fired. <laughs> he knows. Yeah. This is... like, but he's done either. He doesn't know it, but he's done either way. Like, because things would have continued to plummet, and he was probably <laughs> just going to get removed by whatever board, probably. Yeah, I, I think he knows. He's had an incredible run, considering how many, how bad he has been for this company. Sure. But, but at the end of the day, Call of Duty, uh, the, you know, Hearthstone, these brands make lots of money. And that's, you know, what the investors look at until they just got to the point. When it got so bad, they stopped making money. That's when investors notice things. Now, now that aside, let's, let's talk about this from like a practical perspective, right? Like you've got Blizzard, Activision, we know, makes several of the largest titles out there. Especially when we're talking about like Call of Duty and stuff, right? How do we think that's going to be effective going forward, right? Because part of the reason those licenses are big is because they appear on multiple platforms. But now that Microsoft owns it, do they still play ball with Sony? I think we've seen the answer because remember this year we talked about it uh, several episodes ago. They put uh, they put uh, MLB The Show, which is one of Sony's flagship franchises, on Xbox, who proceeded to put it on Game Pass and give it to everybody for free. Well, yeah, but 
that was somewhat mandated by Major League Baseball, and that's also coming from Sony to Microsoft. We hadn't seen anything yet the other way, right? Have we seen any Microsoft exclusives opened up? Because I can't think of one. And that's why I'm kind of like, if that's the case, does this mean if you like those games, you are going to have to be on a... I would would like to think the value of the products are still enough worth being on multiple platforms. That's the thing. They know that if they take Call of Duty away, I I think they lose... They lose probably half their money. Because, yeah, there's... Obviously, content creators, we got all the con- The average person isn't going to own all the video game consoles. The average person will exactly. own one. So, yeah. No, I, think, I think they'll do is like, they'll be like exclusive deals where, hey, if you want, you know, this Master Chief skin, hey, you got to buy it on Xbox. But. Yes, yeah, so now that makes sense. You make it already, available on already the platform, seen but you make yeah. some exclusives for your side. And I'm that, sure they will yeah. make some things, you know, platform exclusive, but stuff like Call of Duty, no, I think they'd be crazy to cut Call of Duty's user base in half. Yeah, it's interesting to think about, like I said, because we hadn't seen anything like that to date where, you know, normally it's, okay, we're buying this studio or something, and then they're going to make games for us, you know. We hadn't really seen where you just bought this, I mean, for lack of a better term, big-ass company <laughs> that has... A whole plethora of titles that appear everywhere. Then, if you think about Activision's big biggest brands, okay, yeah, Call of Duty. But after that, there's stuff that's on PC. Overwatch, who's yeah. much of their player base is on PC. Hearthstone, that's literally oh, you you can't play Hearthstone on your PS5, so that's not a thing they got to worry about. A lot of their stuff is primarily on PC anyway, so they just they get to keep those. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, I guess in some ways, you start doing stuff with like Microsoft Online things with stuff like Hearthstone or whatever. So maybe that's part of it too, because they already have a big PC arm. Maybe you can tie in more Microsoft products that way. And then long-term marketing for Microsoft becomes a lot easier when somebody already has all the work done. Because I think that's one thing people forget when they see a lot of these buyouts, they're a lot of times just looking at the dollars and the revenue. But some of it is, you, you know, you may have already been thinking about going down a certain road or building certain infrastructure or whatever. And it's kind of like, well, if they've already done it, we can just pay like a 20% or 30% premium and then just have all that work done and have staff in place or whatever. We ain't got to do all that work. So we immediately get to jump to the money-making part. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. There's probably a lot here. And I, also, they've done a lot of cross-platform stuff with games like Fortnite. I mean, there's I think Call of Duty is also cross-platform. Yeah. So they've been the, – the walls have been breaking down for a few years now. Where, 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 it's stuff where they realize, hey – we, it's almost like the you know the Sony Disney Spider Man thing, and they realize, hey, we lose money, and we both lose money if we don't work together in places where it makes sense. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this. Or if we get in this weird situation where now Sony decides to make a move and they go buy somebody, right? Because we've seen that happen in different business True. lines too, where one side makes a move, other side makes a move. You know, like that that ends up being a thing. Yeah, and in fairness, I think the only thing, because as we said, ActaBliss is huge. Only thing Sony could buy that would come even halfway close to that is EA. And it's and EA still ain't as big as Activision Blizzard. Yeah, but EA does have some hefty titles. They do. They absolutely do. But same mm. thing, like you would, you would lose too much money if you cut Madden or FIFA in half. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Both of those are gigantic. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the next few months. I don't really, but would not be surprised if we see about a bunch of uh, execs from Blizzard Activision being removed from their post. I think yeah. that's going to be the first big news. Now, we've mentioned Kamigawa and Neon Destiny because that's coming up. I think previews actually start probably by the time you're watching or listening to this, maybe the next day. So coming up pretty quick but one of the interesting things is because this isn't so much like previous kamigawa right this is i believe 200 years in the future or whatever so it's very cyberpunk-esque with the flashy colors and interesting looking armor and all that and to fit that they're actually doing kind of a whole different promotion for it which i think is kind of neat and we've already seen where they're working with different companies online making different things available and 
it feels like the right choice. As much as, you know, you want to bash on Wizards for things or whatever, like, I feel like this is the right approach because you had people who loved Kamigawa, you had people who hated Kamigawa, like very little appeal in the middle, and you're doing something completely different. It's like, okay, let's let's do it a whole different way and see if we could reach as many people as possible and give each of these audiences something to latch on to. And one of the cool things that we're talking about today is they're going to have an altered reality experience. So what it's going to be is there you will go into your local game store, I believe starting on the 21st of January. And it's supposed to be up until February 17th, so almost a month. But you go to your local store, you'll click a QR code, and it will take you to a website, which is going to be just, they, they described it as a browser-based mobile experience with nothing to download. So I'm take you hit the QR code, it takes you to a website, and then you kind of get to explore this shop that's set in the main city in Kamigawa. And I was like, you know, that's kind of cool. If you want to get people immersed and get them used to the style and the look and the flavor and whatever. And they, they don't expect people to spend a lot of time with it. They said it's probably like a three to four minute experience. But, of course, people are nerd out and want to check every yeah. single thing and look for clues and details and see if they see anybody they recognize and all that. But it's a neat idea. I don't know how it's going to hit, but, you know, they, they did that. And then for physical stuff, they've also decided they're bringing Game Day back, which is a program they kind of took away a couple of years ago. And people have wanted, so they're bringing that back and adding a special prize card for the winner in each of those as well. And then they're trying out a new thing, what they're calling a welcome booster for new players uh, to give them extra cards from a beginner standpoint to deck build with and stuff. So I kind of like their approach here, you know, trying something completely different, doing some very flavorful things that fit the world, but at the same time in paper also saying like, hey, we're addressing people going back to stores. We're bringing back fan favorite programs. You know, kind of like saying they're going in on on Kamigawa, saying like we're giving you every reason to like this set. And for people that didn't like the first one, one of the main reasons is like a lot of the product that came out back then, and not just from this company, but from a lot of companies, it felt like no actual Asian people were involved in crafting this Asian fantasy setting, and they have corrected that this time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even, even I don't know if you saw the basic lands for this set. They actually have done, uh, what's the term? I, I, I don't want to mispronounce it. I'd have to go look it up, the proper pronunciation. But there's basically the old-style woodblock art from Japan, and they're doing ten basics, two of each, done with that style of artwork. And they look great. Like, honestly, I'm one of the people that will tell you I'm kind of burnt out on alternate basic lands, you know, full art, no border, whatever, because we've just done it so often. But these are really, really nice. And I'm not even one that's big on, like, the Japanese motif and all that stuff. But, like, these are really good. So even that saying, like, we got Japanese artists to recreate the Japanese style to put these out there. Right? So they've really done their homework here. You know, they did a panel where they had people talking about, like, who they worked with and the influences they got and whatever. So it feels like they're honestly making the effort to be like, hey, we are trying to be better here and make this make sense. Which, to be fair, when they did the, it, it was a, a dual deck with the two Planeswalkers from the Chinese background, you know, that they used all, well, I don't know if it was all, but a very large percentage of the artists were Chinese artists. They worked with the studio there to find out about Chinese history and stories and stuff that they could put in. So I would assume they took a lot of those learnings from that a couple years ago and started putting it toward Kamigawa. I wouldn't even be surprised if that was like a test case to start building the yeah. world of, of Kamigawa when they, when they were ready to go down that road. But I don't know, man. How do you feel about all this? Because it's definitely different. I mean, I'm, I wasn't actually even in the game, I think, last time we went to Kamigawa. Because it's been a minute, hadn't it? It's uh, I think like 15 years or something. Yeah, so I mean, I wasn't even playing when the first Kamigawa block hit, but this seems interesting, and I'm certainly ready to play with these cards. Yeah, I'm with you. I like. I'm not even like I was. I was one of the people. I wasn't a big fan of Kamigawa previously, you know, having played through it. But I at least enjoy what they're trying to do here, right? There's enough here to spark my interest get me moving forward, at least get me to like, oh, what's that? Oh, that looks cool, you know, whatever. So even if I'm not a, the biggest fan of it, it's still something that I can look at and be like, all right, this might get me interested. I might build a deck with that. Oh, also, side note, not really Kamigawa, but P 
people seemed surprised this week I saw on Twitter that there was an announcement for the, I guess, Lord of the Rings TV series or something coming out uh, later this year. And people are like, oh, this must be why Wizards is doing a Lord of the Rings set and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, the thing I think we have to accept, and I thought we were all on the same page, but I'm at least saying this publicly on the show, that if they ever announce they're doing something as like a secret layer or universes beyond, like, shouldn't we just assume it's because there's a crossover with the other product that makes sense? Because I like, think about it so far, right? We did The Walking Dead, which was part of the big premiere and all these items you could buy, whatever, going into that last season of The Walking Dead or whatever, right? We got the thing with uh, Arcane, right? As that show was going live on Netflix and whatever, and then we got that thing. So I would assume, knowing that The Lord of the Rings was coming, like it was probably going to be a thing with Lord of the Rings or whatever, and probably will be the same thing when we get the uh, Warhammer thing. Probably be some new addition or unveiling of some new army or whatever for Warhammer. So like, and, and it makes sense, right? That's what everybody should be doing. If you're going to do a cross-promotion, you do it at a time where you can maximize money and effort on your brain, right? That's why you're doing the advertising. Many of, of these th- folks went to school for the marketing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so they know it's, what to do. It's like if you're going to spend money on a Super Bowl commercial, you try to have something coming out in the month of January, right? So you got all the people looking at your brand. You're maybe going to launch a new flavor of a drink or whatever. Now people can go pick it up after getting hyped about the commercial. So all, all makes perfect sense. But yeah, Kamigawa, I, I think we're hitting on some, some pretty good stuff here. And in the world of Twitch, more drama. <laughs> Imagine that. There's always drama. This time, though, it's not necessarily directly Twitch's fault. This is actually a triangle of drama, if you will, between three creators. Uh, now, okay, we kind of have some different perspectives on this, but I think we can agree that Gideon, J-I-D-I-O-N, is the real idiot in this story that started yeah. all this mess to begin with. I think that's the part we 100% agree on. Yeah, we're both in agreement that he's Also, Gideon is the least famous of these three, the other two being Pokimane and Ninja, which I'm sure you've heard those names before. We probably mentioned them on the show when we're talking about Twitch because they're in the top, like, whatever, one-tenth of one percent of all people on, on Twitch. But Gideon, I don't, other than just thinking he was going to get some clout rub off this, decided when he was done with the stream a few days back that he was going to go hate raid Pokemon, which I will at least say this, it was probably the most docile of hate raids it was mostly just have everybody in the chat post an l plus ratio which is basically saying you're a loser you know whatever you got ratio whatever but still was completely unnecessary like yeah. didn't need to do it nothing positive is going to come of this whatever why are you and plus like same thing we talked about before one not only is she a woman, she's a minority on top of it. Like, it's just, it's a bad look, dude. Yeah, in the doing? middle of a huge, a huge hate raid problem. He just didn't think this through. Yeah, especially with all the stuff swirling around Twitch over the last six to nine months. Like, what, what are you doing? So anyway, he does this. Twitch issues a ban while they review it or whatever. Which, he was like, yeah, okay, I got banned or whatever. And wasn't going to fight it. So the dude knew he screwed up. Like, he knew... Going into it, he screwed up. That's my first problem. He wasn't like, he went, well, why did I get banned? That's nothing. Like, bubble. Like, he knew he screwed up. Yeah. Like, from the beginning, he had posted on Twitter and everything. He was good with it. His miscalculation was he thought he'd probably get a one to two day ban. or He thought he'd get a slap on the wrist. They went nuclear on him. By the yep. way, I think for, for hate raids, I think a one strike and you're out policy is perfectly legitimate. Yeah, for sure. I don't have a problem with that at all. So, then they came back, like you said, and they were like, you know, we thought about it some more. You're done, son. Perma band. <laughs> and then he had a problem, right? He decided to get all upset about it or whatever. So, like, my issue with the whole thing is this feels like he did something. He was willing to go harass somebody because he thought, well, I still have a strike coming. So you well, basically... just go give somebody. Like, I don't care if you think you're going to get, like, Why? Like that, all of his actions say he went and did it just because he thought he could get away with it. So for that alone, I'm willing to back up the perma ban. 
Because, like, if you went and did something you really didn't think it was that bad and blah, blah, whatever, okay, cool. It's stupid, but we can have that talk. But, like, you did it calculated. So, like, whatever ban happens, happens. But the dude couldn't leave well enough alone. So then he says, well, who's the biggest streamer I can find online right now? So, lo and behold, it's Ninja. So he goes into Ninja's stream, and all the stories I found says he basically bought, I think it was 100 subs. To get Ninja's attention. And brought his whole audience with him, apparently. To try and push Ninja to act on his behalf and go talk to Twitch or whatever. So being live on stream, Ninja says, Alright, dude, I'll see what I can do. And tries to get back to finishing his stream. Well, apparently, Pokimane sees this. And then goes and starts posting on Twitter. And now we have a big problem. So now she's talking about Ninja supporting Gideon's behavior. But then that leads to a situation where all reports say Ninja hasn't moved forward on it. And apparently him and Pokemon have the same contacts and such at Twitch or something. So I guess they would have known each other and whatever behind the scenes. I don't know their specifics. I'm just following, you know research but then ninja's wife who happens to also be his business manager reaches out privately to pokemon and says like yo what's all this about we haven't done anything blah 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 then pokemon goes and put i am assuming posts that publicly because i don't know how else anybody would know about it and then ninja's business manager comes back and says okay well now we're probably gonna have to get lawyers involved because now we have we're getting hate stuff, and your people are now harassing us or whatever. And now it's just a big mess, all because Jidian was a moron. That's this a, is a crazy and, situation. Yeah, and a good job summing up some <laughs> crazy drivers as, as quick as we could sum it up, we did. Yeah, I mean, I had to read a lot to make sure yes, I had stuff yeah. in line and in order. Because there was a few different places reporting things. I had to, like, sketch out a timeline to make sure I had it right. But, man, like... Like I said, I like Gideon's just a moron. Yeah, like, he that, clearly was the, the the biggest problem here because I, I I see what he was trying to do, and had he had he went somewhere, sat down, taking the suspension, his plan works. He gets a bunch of attention for maybe for a, a week or two. I don't know, but no, he had to double down, continue being stupid. Go on to social media and continue, you know, basically mildly hate-rating Pokimane. So he, he got what he deserved. This, this is a good example of when clout chasing goes wrong. Yeah. Like, dude, put it out there thinking he was going to get something. And boy, he got it. People are talking about you now. <laughs> Unfortunately, he has no way to monetize it. Yeah, not even, not even a little bit. Because... You can't go over to Facebook or, or YouTube because they're not going to make you partner right now under these circumstances. So even if they do, it'll be down the road after your opportunity's already gone away. So, like, I don't, like, it's just such a poorly thought out plan. Like, there were so many things. Like, even if you wanted to get the attention of somebody, you could have come up with some goofy thing for your people to do in her stream or her chat or whatever, like, could have been anything other than just hating on somebody a hate raid is the literal worst thing he could have done yeah literally it's, it's pretty it's pretty it'd be hard to be worse than that right like that's on that bottom rung of stuff you can yeah and then really all of this unfortunately is he kind of forced everybody else's head and now you got in these situations where everybody's reacting too fast to everything and now you've got Twitch involved, you got lawyers involved. Like, it's just a mess now. Like, and the dude, if he'd have just pumped the brakes for a second. But, you, I mean, you confront Ninja when he's got thousands of people on stream. I mean, he's in the middle of something. So he's trying to just, like, get you to, as my English friends would say, bugger off so he can finish what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then, third, by the way. Yeah, and then Pokemon's oh, reacting too fast to what she just saw or whatever instead of taking a chance, which that's the part that also bugs me. It's like they apparently have connections behind the scenes. So it's like, take a second. Like, and I get it. She's upset. 
Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, right. like, I understand she was her frustration because yeah. we have talked. Well, you, you, let, me, let me let you finish. And I'll yeah, she was totally attacked in the middle of all this. So I get why she would react quickly and take stuff at face value or whatever. I totally get it. So I'm not, I don't really want to cast blame and dispersions her way. Like, it's just, you would like to see people just take a breath for a second, try to think logically, but I get it. This all happened, from what I understand, this all happened in a very small amount of time, too. Over, like, 72 hours or so. Like, it was just boom, 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 boom. So everybody's sending messages back and forth, and everybody's reaching out to Twitch, and Twitch is issuing bans, and, like, it's it's a mess. And the only thing I can see coming this is probably Gideon just a fans. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I would venture to guess that between the other two, stuff will get resolved. Like, you're both big personalities. You both make a bunch of money. Apparently, y'all got connections already. Like, that, I think, will clear itself up. But I can't see a single way after this that Gideon gets on ban. Yeah, nor should he. Yeah, it, it's... I don't know, man. It, it's just... What were you thinking? That's the only thing I can think of. Just like, and then to compound the problem further, that's the thing, right? You didn't have to confront Ninja while he was live. You didn't have to do any, like you could have sent messages. You could have made an appeal to somebody on, on your Twitter feed, like whatever, right? There's things you could, ways you could have went about it. Like, so you made a dumb mistake and then you made an unprofessional move on top of it. It's like this, some people did, man, you know what? When I see people like this, I'm like, you don't deserve the fame you're even getting. Like, I seriously feel that way sometimes. Like, you, I don't know. Maybe he's funny. Maybe he's entertaining. I don't know. He's at least got a modest, moderate size audience. But, golly, man. you This dude's made so many people's lives just uncomfortable and unhappy for no reason at all. Because, literally, I'm going to hate raid somebody and clout chase. And let's see what happens. That's literally it. That's the only logic. Like, no other good reason. And, like, that's the frustrating part. It wasn't even like he was mad at her. It wasn't even like, yeah, like, there's no history whatsoever. He just went, she's a big streamer that's online, and I know I could go put something in there and get some attention. And that was it. No other logic there. It's like, dude, come on. But I don't know, man. Like we and we've talked about it. We've each had different people pop in our chats, and we've had different things happen. And it's a nuisance. It's not like it's not like it hurts you in any way. It just derails things. And I think you know, as you said, this is a situation where I think everybody acted and or realized that Gideon's an idiot. That's <laughs> that's pretty much confirmed. I think a Pokemon probably reacted too fast. And it's because, you know, I think people of color and women and lots of marginalized folks are tired of the hate rates. For sure. Tired For sure. of the incredibly slow response and tired Absolutely. of our, our white streamer friends largely being silent on the issue. Also true. So I think, and I like we talked about, you know, beforehand. Like I understand why he wouldn't have done it in the middle of his stream because he doesn't know what's even happened. You you want to, you know, like you're most you're most importantly like, hey, I'm I'm in the middle of something right now. Yeah, I'll talk to you and talk to somebody else about this later. But I, I, as I said, I think that's where her frustration was. She probably felt like right then he should have said, hey, you know, and of course, again, if he didn't know, he didn't know. And I'm going to assume at this point he didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell that part. Like, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I think you got to listen. But I, I guess as, you know, somebody in Ninja's position, if somebody got banned, you pretty much got to assume there was a good reason. Yeah, <laughs> or he, may, he may have been like, OK, maybe I'll help you, but I want to research some more or whatever. Yeah. And let me talk to somebody or whatever. Like, I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, it's just uh, the whole thing, man. The whole thing. Like, So that probably would, would have been that. Once he's done the research, that's probably where he should have came out and said, look, hate rate's wrong. I don't support this. I'm not going to help Gideon. I think it's what Pokemon wanted to see. I would have liked to see that too, especially because, let's be honest, Ninja's history in terms not of... The best. Not yeah. the best. I mean, he's basically said, I'm not going to stream with women one-on-one -on because -one I'm afraid that I might get shipped with people and, you know, it's going to cause problems in my relationship. So, yeah, that's, I'm just, he's tried to explain it all. And I checked before we, we came on here that as of, I think, 
as of like the last interview he did with the Washington Post, which just a, a month or so ago, that's still his stance, and it's yeah. still a horrible <laughs> reductive stance. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I'm not not going to back that one. Yeah, it's it's tough, and like I said, because things happen so quickly, you got to the point that it was like now. You have different people's following, harassing each of the other streamers. And for the love of God, people, stop doing that. Just for sure. For sure. Everybody's, everybody's chat. Stop stop going and harassing. These aren't sports teams. You're not, you're not on salary with Ninja or Pro. There's being a fan and then there's, you know, problematic behavior. Harassing people is problematic behavior. Yeah, and, and it sucks for the creators because they do get in these situations where like, well, should I say something legally? Well, now we have to reach out and now we got to do this. And now I got to wait for my lawyers to tell me, blah, blah, you know, because they're operating on a different level than me and you. you know I mean, they've even got partnership deals with like, real. you know, they're getting tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars with some stuff. But I feel so, like even with that, nobody is gonna nobody's gonna terminate your partnership for saying that hate raids are bad. That's pretty much the established who we can so. all agree hate raids are bad. I don't think so. But like I said, for me personally, I could see a scenario where you just say, like, my lawyers don't want me to say anything related to the situation until we resolve it. And then maybe at the end you come out and say, like, hey, this whole thing screwed up and here's why. You know, but maybe. That's well, only you could, literally, you could just say, you know, you have to mention Pokemon or Gideon's name just in, just because it's not like this. It's not like this is the first time this has happened. It's been no, no. a big deal for months now. Just say hate rates are bad. Be better than that. Stop I, doing them and don't mention anybody else's name. Totally get what you're saying. But I also have been involved in some things where you do get legal people to say, just don't say anything that's related at all to this. Right? Just... Don't it's just so it doesn't lead to something else, so you don't end up getting into another part of a conversation and say something like just don't even address anything. So I, I'm just saying I could see how that would be a thing, but I mean, in most cases, it should probably be okay for him to say something. Yeah, I can't see any scenario which even your lawyers would tell you <laughs> to to advise people in your chat to stop acting like idiots. That's I would say I have seen I have seen some situations where things you think would be pretty passive, lawyers have still been like, nah, just wait. <laughs> but again, I don't know. Like this this is it it's amazing how much crap one person can start sometimes. And ultimately all he did was cost a bunch of people a bunch of time and money now. And he's probably, if, if he's not permanently banned for life from the platform, he's probably going to get some extended ban at the very least. So he's losing a bunch of money on top of it. So like, Yeah, but by the time he's back, no one will remember his name. <laughs> yeah, none of it. Like, nothing good came out for anybody. All because he had the idea of he was going to try to get some recognition by going in and harassing somebody. Like, and to be fair, that's the outcome you want for somebody who's going to end up trying to harass someone. I mean, yeah, right? I'm perfectly happy with a one strike and you're out policy on hate raids. Yeah, we know enough about it at this point that that just shouldn't happen. Like, you can't say that, like, well, we don't know the impact. We don't know how bad it is. But like, we're we're beyond that. Everybody knows. But all right, let's wrap this show up and talk about. An interesting subject here, and I kind of hinted on this in the opener in the soapbox, but one of the things that came up this week were some surveys that had been out, and people started talking about them again. And it was done among some different websites and board game related stuff. And some interesting facts came back that about 90% of the survey takers identify as white which means these are people that are around on these websites at these events or whatever where they issued these surveys the other interesting thing is that roughly what i could find depending on which survey or whatever was about 82 percent said they play with the same folks every single time they game now somebody had made a post on twitter related to this and said hey here's something we can do in 2022 like if you want to make more money, like, let's get more people involved. 
<laughs> which makes a lot of sense. That's a lot of room for market growth, right? And then there was an idiot on there who actually said this publicly, but said, how do you force people, people to play that aren't interested? Insinuating that for whatever reason, non-whites are not interested in playing board games. So how do I get them interested? I was like, bruh, really? Like, that's the stage you're going to take out in the open? Like, I, and I honestly don't know if the dude was just saying the quiet parts out loud or if he's just that ignorant. But it kind of comes back to things we've talked about before on the show, right? Where if you're not actively inviting people in, you know, if you're not putting depictions of non-white people on your cover art, you know, if the subject matter of your games is never, is only disparaging to some races or whatever, you know, none of those things are going to invite people to want to participate more. And I, it just doesn't seem that difficult. But, you know, we kind of end up in the same place every year where, you know, the game could just have some black characters. Hell, even just have a token black character would be a start in <laughs> a lot of them like just give us that like that would that would be big but the other thing too to even see that statement and the fact that it's so dumb is that a bunch of the game like for real like black people like in spades and uno and hell these games like left right center these dice games or a lot of those are based on games that were in the black culture for years so it's not like black people ain't out here playing games and doing stuff, whatever. It's just we aren't in a lot of the same social circles or invited into the same spaces. You know, I, I even it's kind of when we come back talking about game stores, they're talking about like how do <clears throat> excuse me, how do I expand my reach and everything else? And some of it is just like I'd ask them, well, when was the last time you sponsored a non-white event or event that wasn't predominantly white? You know, were there charity events? that supported certain minority communities or whatever, that you supported or whatever. And a lot of them haven't. And I said, well, that's how you start extending. You have to make yourself known and available and saying like, hey, we want you to be part of our community. We like what you're doing. We want to support you. And start opening that up. But I mean, you, you know, kind of like we talked about before, you've been in that same situation, right? Where, you know, you were the only black person in a group and you may or may not be welcome sometimes. This is, I think that this is a classic example somebody with this crazy quote. Somebody, you know, that just, they have just their own experience. They think it's the only experience. And they just feel like, why are you, why are you bothering me with this? I, he, as far as the black people, this person probably doesn't know, as far as he's concerned, they're not interested. You know, that might be true, where he it's just outside of his worldview. And if yeah, and if and if they haven't seen it in their mind, doesn't exist. It just never, not even probably once before it's been brought up here. Never thought about why there are any people of color here. It's just never because in his mind, people of color don't play board games. So yeah, yeah, he he's helping. He, he thinks some kind of liberal, you know, liberal media army is going around trying to force the black people to play to play board games. Yeah, so. They'd rather be doing something else. I don't want to even try to guess what he probably thinks they'd rather be doing. It's just that's the frightening part is this person thinks they're helping. Yeah, I don't really understand. And and the two those two stats being there, where you know ninety percent are white and eighty plus percent are playing with the same people, right? Like that also kind of contributes, mm -hmm. right? Because if those are the only people you see and those are the only people you're gaming with all the time, I kind of get how that becomes somebody's view. That everybody you see having a good time with games are white. I mean, is what it is. So, and I get it. Like the same way we talked about, you know, comedy and how most people don't care if the, you know, the jokes are politically incorrect. I think when people go to their local card shop, they're, you know, they're wanting to relax. And this the second you bring in anything that they might think is political. And for some people, even mentioning another race is political because they don't want to hear it. Yeah, that's also true. So, so they yeah. already they feel attacked and we're just asking questions. Yeah, I just thought it was really interesting that multiple surveys came back with like, 
this level of results, showing there's some consistency to this data. And, and any, any person of color that sees a response like this, you know, that's why I don't go to my local card or comic shop right there. Yeah, and see, and that's the other thing I wanted to, to kind of look at too is, did some of these other non-white people not take the survey? Were they not in these communities or on these websites or whatever because they just do their gaming in private? Right? Like you probably have been left out or harassed or whatever. So you're just like, cool, I'll just game with my couple of friends at home or my cousins or my family or whatever. Right? I'm not going to be in these same spaces because there's nothing for me. Right? Yeah, like my I never saw this survey welcome. and there's five people in this house to play board games. <laughs> we, we weren't asked. Oh, sure. Multiple people in my family played them. I mean, so I grew up with games around, whether it's card games, board games, whatever. But I'm also pretty sure that none of my family who does play games would be on any of these websites or in any of these events where these surveys right. would have happened. So, yeah, it's it's a weird thing. But it, I, I just thought it was at least worth bringing up now that there was actual, like, hard numbers around it that I was able to find. It, it actually makes for a pretty interesting conversation. But, you know, it comes back to a lot of the stuff we say on the show, that just be purposeful about inviting people into your communities. You know, reach out to different people. Work with different folks. You know, if you're in the industry and you're making games, like, try to find artists, writers, whatever, of different backgrounds so they can be involved. And, like, over time, you can change that. But if you're not making a conscious effort to, it's going to be a lot of the same. And from a business perspective, if you're a game company, a game store, whatever, like, you should want to expand the market. <laughs> like, literally 90%. Like, that is a huge amount of room for growth. Right. Like, gigantic amount of room for growth. As the Republican Party has noticed, people who identify as just white, like, that pie is incre- is decreasing by the year. Mm-hmm. For sure. So the sooner you jump on it, you might become the brand or the line of products or games or whatever that one of these other communities favors. Right? You, you could seize the opportunity in a completely underserved market. But yeah, I don't know. Just some stuff to think about. Brian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? All right. I am Brian Sionic on YouTube, Twitter, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And I just want to say, with everything going on, please remember to take care of yourself and your family with the COVID and the flu and Omicron and whatever else. Just stay away from other humans if you can avoid it, whatever method you choose to use. And whenever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And please remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under color of magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.